Welcome to the official Scottish Rugby podcast. I'm Caroline Blair and this week we have Chris Patterson, but sadly no Rachel Malcolm this week. She is on uh, Scotland duty, isn't she, this week, Chris? Yeah, training. She, um, they don't get much time off as they build up to the game on uh, on Sunday against Spain. Obviously, we're going to speak to uh, Chloe Rowley and Helen Nelson, um, so still well. We'll look to news for the camp and review the, the USA game. We'll get ahead to the Spain game. But uh, yeah, we're giving Rachel some time off. We'll give some time off. Time off for the podcast, which means she has to spend more time training. But uh, uh, we'll catch up with Rachel again soon. And there's also, of course, been a change to our lineup here on the official Scottish Rugby podcast. Uh, we, we've been hearing about Joe Wilson's diagnosis this week with cervical cancer. Uh, Chris, she's obviously a really important part of, of the Scottish rugby family here. Yeah, Joe's uh, been, you know, worked alongside Scottish rugby in uh, match days uh, for a long, long time. A big, you know, part of the Scottish rugby family, really, uh, and certainly the podcast family as well. And we, uh, along with yourself, building a team of people that we uh, we kind of like to, to work with. And we won't always be always available for podcasts. So to have that, that team ethos around, you know, Rachel Rachel and yourself and Joe and everybody else who, who uh, contributed is really important. So it was uh, obviously knew the, the news on, on Joe when she slightly before she, she made it public, but a really important announcement this week. And it's just such a brave thing to do. And we look forward to welcoming him back when, um, when, she's, when she's fit and able. And I entirely echo that sentiment. It's such an important um, and very brave, courageous decision to make that information public. So Joe, on behalf of everybody here at Scottish Rugby and of course on the official Scottish Rugby podcast, we wish you all the very best. Uh, for the coming weeks and months ahead. So to this week's news, and of course we've mentioned that Rachel Malcolm isn't here. Uh, she is in game week. That is always a an interesting week for players. Some love it, Chris. Some <laughs> less so. Where did you fall in terms of that? Well, it's funny because this game this weekend is the second of two Rugby World Cup warm-up games and we were talking before about what's the right number of warm-up games you need for a rugby world cup you want to peak come round one which is uh scotland versus wales and the rugby world cup you want to peak for that absolutely but you have to be prepared for that and the best way of preparing is by playing but at the same time you don't want to play too many games i've been involved in rugby world cups where we've had two three and four fixtures pre-world cup announcement um and i think between two and three is pretty good i think four is too many um but the depth of squad that both the, the women and the men's team have now, maybe fours, not as big a daunting prospect as it would have been when I was playing. Uh, whereas three, I think, is about right. Two, you could argue, is maybe too few. Um, yeah, where's the balance there? Well, I, th- I think three's probably the balance. I think three's mm-hmm. probably the balance, but uh, I think there's probably more representation of game at training. If you only go with two fixtures, I think you you, mm-hmm. you, you amend your training and there's more training games, internal games uh, that you can control, you can condition, you can get what, what you, you want from them. But uh, so I think I think two or three is good. I think four needs a big squad and needs a, and, and it can be a positive as well if you do have a big squad and you're really looking to kind of fine tune World Cup qualifications. But there's two for, you know, the, the, this is the second two on Sunday and Scotland play Spain. Obviously, the USA game I felt was, was excellent. We've, we've covered that last week and we'll cover it with, with Chloe and Helen as well. So many positives. But I think what's important this week is is a victory against Spain. It's uh, Spain's for confidence for. I just because I know how much good work's been done, I know how much progression's been made, and the players know that as well. But that confirmation comes, I think, when you pick up wins. Performance is totally, absolutely paramount. Of course, it is, and your performance will dictate the result. 
and you you know when you're inside the camp, you have to look at your performance because that's what you're control of. But I think maybe if you're outside the camp, and, and and you know to a certain extent inside, you want you want to underline the good work. You want to confirm that you're in a good place. That you've you, you've uh, you, you're you're gaining the the recognition really with the wins, as well as the recognition for your hard work and your improvement. So I think uh, winning is important. That's pretty blunt because you know players inside the squad will be looking at performance and absolutely they should be but how good would it be if we were able to perform well that dictated the result um, and the the squad can get ready to to head south and from a fan's point of view this is of course the last opportunity that we will have uh, to see Scotland women in action before they get on the flight to New Zealand for that Rugby World Cup it's a really exciting day I said last week Uh, you know it it was a fantastic family day out I, for one, will be there on Sunday. Uh, we did manage to kind of sneak into the Scot- <laughs> Brian Eason Scotland uh, Scotland camp this week. Uh, virtually, no less. We did have a, a catch-up with uh, Louis Rowley and with Helen Nelson ahead of that match. Scotland will face Australia, Fiji, New Zealand and Argentina this October and November at BT Murrayfield Stadium in Edinburgh in the Autumn Nation Series. Tickets for Scotland's fixture against New Zealand have already sold out. Secure your tickets now for the other matches. Uh, Great to have you with us, ladies. Thanks so much for your time. You're preparing to take on Spain this weekend. Helen, we'll start with you. What does game week look like inside uh, Brian Easton's Scotland camp? Yeah, so we go into camp tomorrow morning. Um, So we'll have... Some pre uh, some review meetings from um, our game last week against USA. So look at kind of our attack and our defence, and then I think after lunch we'll have a bit more of like a clarity session, some gym, and then big double day Wednesday, uh, day off Thursday, and then into kind of the finer fine tuning uh, Thursday, sorry Friday Saturday before we play. So yeah, fit quite a lot in, but um, getting to the kind of the end of preseason. Um, it's now all just like, as I said, fine-tuning and just looking to kind of fix up moving into the World Cup. Do you think it helps with the fact that you've had a down week between the two games in terms of your analysis? And, you know, sometimes I think it can be really reactive as to what happens when you have to, you know, back up the next again day or the next again week, meaning the review is either day or two days after the game. But after that week between, you know, the USA game and then last week, we had a bit of time off. Do you think the the sessions will be changing or certainly the analysis be different this week as it would have been last week, do you think? More time to think things through? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think more time definitely helps me because like you said, I'm quite like emotional after a game. Um, <laughs> you think like, oh, like this was bad and this was bad. And yeah, I think having time to kind of speak mm-hmm. to everyone, meet in your units and um, just clarify some stuff, then everyone's kind of rested and then rearing to go with a week off so it's yeah definitely is better for me I think I'll come to you in a second Chloe but just on that with with when you say you know struggle sometimes a wee bit after the game to switch off from it what do you do to disconnect from a performance I try not to watch it back that night um I'll kind of sleep on it maybe like see some friends do some social things and just switch off from rugby and then the next day so Sunday I'll watch it back and I think just watch it initially as like a, a spectator, just like not stopping and replaying stuff. And then like when I go kind of deeper into analysis, I'll start like getting into the nitty gritty of it. But I think it's important to yeah like switch off initially after the game and not try and like analyze everything. Do you think it's um this is going to sound a bit weird, but like you worry about the maybe poor things you've done or the mistakes you've made or you know before you go back and watch it. Sometimes when you look back, they're not as bad as you think. 
and sometimes actually the things that you thought you did really well aren't as good as you think. Do you ever do you ever have that situation with both of you as well? All the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm very dramatic when it comes to stuff like that. So if something bad happens in the game, I'm like, oh no, it's that's you know that's the worst thing that ever happened, and I'll watch it back and I'll be like, oh actually, no, people probably didn't even realise that that happened or recognise that, that happened, and then. Yeah, so it's quite helpful, like that way, like you, you know, you're able to like gather the actual reality of what happened and like go from there and actually decide if it was bad or if it wasn't actually as bad as what we thought it was. Well, brace yourselves for an amazing test match because it was so enjoyable to watch as a spectator. So you're you're, you're certainly in for for a bit of a thrill there. And um, now, in terms of your cat count between you, we've got. I mean, my maths isn't isn't the best, but oh, 93. So I think Helen, you're on 43 and. Chloe, you just marked your half century. Huge congratulations, both a staggering number there. How was that moment for you, Chloe, and in, in front of a, a home crowd at the Dam Health, no less? Oh, it was um, massive for me. You know, I mean, it was like everything that I had kind of wished for. You know, it came around quite quick, but at the same time, was such a slow time to come, if that makes sense. Like, so it feels like I've played way more than 50, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like six, seven years ago, I was taking my first step on, on pitch in a Scotland shirt. But no, it was massive. Like, you know, the team made it um, amazing in every way that they could, like in camp and then like getting to the game and even before the game and after the game, like it was all like, for me, like moments I'll never forget. And like to share it with the team, like on that day, the team that were there, it for me, was huge as well because like a lot of those people um are are good friends and you know the team will always always be with me and I think to spend that moment with them it was huge it was massive I think we said last week we hinted at one or two things was, I mean phenomenal performance as well offensively and especially defensively but like I think I said some long lines of these landmarks are amazing they're, they're, they're brilliant they're such a, a thrill they're so good but Quite often, I think to the outside world, they're seen as not the end, but they're seen as a pinnacle. But for me, I always found they were just almost the start. You see, you almost get the more you achieve and the more landmarks, it's almost more inspiration to go further and further and further and just keep on improving. Is that the same with you, Chloe? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think for me, it was like all the messages and stuff. I was kind of like, yeah, cool. Like I've got 50 caps. Like that's amazing. <laughs> I want more. Like, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still ready to go for, you know, another how many every year it takes to hopefully get to 100 or if not more than that um but yeah like, I get what you mean it's more of a like an a it's not like an end point it's more of yeah. like a tech point it's like all right okay I've done that so now what's next I want to keep going I want to keep doing this I want to keep doing that like, getting little little achievements here and there and you know hopefully um keep getting many caps from now just coming for your 109 Chris oh yeah Easy, yeah, easy, yeah. easy. I can see, I can, I can see Nelly's going for your fifty as well. Nelly, is that something? <laughs> is that that? That's obviously something you would begin to set little small goals to, to try and get to achieve if you're on forty-three caps already. Do you dare yourself to look ahead to your fiftieth? Uh, I don't know. I think because there's been so many girls like recently, we've had quite like a flurry of people turning getting their fifty caps. It's definitely something that's like been chatted about more and more, isn't it? Because mm. um, I've not really kept count, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm going to try and not think about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, your um, your penalty just before half time nudged us ahead going into the break against USA. In the stands, it was actually really quite noisy around us when you were about to take your kick. Is that something that a you notice? Um, don't get me wrong. The, the fans around them very politely shushed them. Uh, but is it something that you notice? And is it something that affects you at all? Are you aware of it? Do you? Does it does it impact how you how you strike? No, I don't think so. Um, I definitely wasn't aware that it was noisy before. I think 
I'd like notice the crowd afterwards. So if I've got it, then it gives you like a really nice little boost. Um, but before, I think I just try and like just concentrate on what I'm doing. So yeah, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Chris, crowd uh, numbers are increasing on that front. So with you in mind, and, and as the specialist kicking coach for Scottish Rugby, do you is that something you train the players? Oh, you you, you train a process, and you and you train a, a process that can be trusted, you know, and worked on, and basically trusted what you do in training in, in a game uh, in the competition. So it's um, it shouldn't really be any different. Of course, there's context within the game, but that, that's where you trust the process and you trust what you're training to, uh, to execute. But interestingly, Callan, on that, I always felt like if there was no noise, you recognised it or, or noticed it more than noise because mm. noise is, there's always a hum, there's always a, yeah, a level of noise in the game. But actually sometimes, and there was a couple of times I experienced it. One, <laughs> one was playing Tolman Park, which they kind of traditionally shush everybody but in shushing everybody they're making a noise so that shh is actually quite alarming because it's you notice it and then uh, another one was behind the uh, behind closed door game when uh, our game was cancelled due to bad or heavy snow in, in Europe one year and you're actually kicking in the bowl now this became norm during you know post-covid either you were kicking in the stadium bowl at Marifield with nobody there nothing not a noise and that was it almost took your mind off it more than the noise so sometimes I think the noise although it's it's never polite if it's thrown at somebody. The noise actually is never a huge issue. The, sometimes the lack of noise can be a bigger issue. I was just going to say, it kind of makes you aware that then all eyes are on you. Everyone's yeah, kind of... Yeah, yeah, totally. Go, which is not nice. <laughs> as if, as if, you, as if you need made aware of that, eh? yeah. as if you don't know already. <laughs> it was. The, the, the noise on, on, on Saturday was absolutely incredible as well. And, and, and we had a wee chat last week, didn't we, uh, Chris, about the commitment that you you guys have to to your fans the time that you spent mm. with them is that a part of the enjoyment for you do you go into a match knowing that you're going to get to connect with your fans in that way especially after or on social media yeah i think so um yeah like playing at damn health like you said the the fans like you can hear them so much throughout and i think we've got like a really nice kind of fa family vibe as well so afterwards like we've we um we're giving caps, like, so Chloe got her 50th, and we do that kind of in front of the friends and family stand, which is really nice. And then by the time you leave the pitch, all the other stands have cleared out, and I'm a bit like, oh, where's everyone gone? And then you go out through the tunnel towards um, the changing rooms, and everyone is lining it and waiting <laughs> to get photos and autographs. And it's just like, we've never really experienced it no. before, have we? Um, the there are hundreds year. there. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, like, it's so cool. And like, yeah, literally every single one of them wants like a photo, an autograph, like, yeah, it's cool. And it's clearly a very professional outfit that you guys have got going on. It's very clear to see that both from social media, in the stands, the feel around the camp. But in addition to that, you're also having so much fun doing your job and that really shines through too. Who's driving that? I think it's just all us as like individuals. I think, you know, like you say, we're now able to train and play like without hopefully any other stresses behind that of, of working and stuff especially with the sport from the SRU I think just the ability to be able to do that I think everyone's just you know a, a bit more upbeat and a bit more you have time to recover you've got time to you know focus on the things that maybe you didn't have time to focus on before which means you're able to come back into training or into camp or into games just you know a little bit more happier and a little bit more lively and like you know like you say it's so much fun to do this so like you know seeing all your your friends and all that kind of stuff you know every week hopefully 
um in training camps and in training just like evenings and stuff it's it's um I think it's definitely us that just keeps us keeps us going and there is times where it gets tough you know it gets really like a bit um you know Sundays people are up for training they're a bit more tired than usual or you know they're feeling it a bit on their bodies and like the you know just for us to be able to go well come on let's you know let's go like we're here you know we're here to train and, and perform and get better but we're also here to have fun and that's always like put on us you know in a game it's always just go out there and whatever happens as long as you're doing it with a smile and you're happy then that's all that matters kind of thing so it's definitely like part of us and also part of the culture that our management team are you know creating and then pushing towards the world cup i think uh i don't run a lloyd Neva wells will be too far away for the action when <laughs> for that answer carolina there <laughs> they keep everyone on their toes i think but uh looking ahead at spain uh, on Sunday, is it the performance? We kind of summed up the game last week. Seen it as a proper test match. I mean, USA aiming for silverware in the the World Cup. They, they openly said that fifth in the world, and we were sitting at tenth. And it was a proper battle, a really good, intense test match. And the performance, you know, from from you guys was excellent. This weekend, Spain, who are not in the World Cup, they're sitting twelfth in the world. A team that we've had a lot of battles with over the the recent years. Um, Feel as if we, you know, we, we've really progressed, and, and they maybe haven't been uh, the rate of progression. I don't think has been as, as quick as yours, but it'll be a full-on test match again. And, and what's what's most important this weekend? Is it the performance again, or is it really important to get a, a victory to to kind of to finish off the, the the training camp, the preparation you've had so far? I think asking about camp, like everyone would very much like a win just for that kind of confidence boost going important, up. I'm not sure what Brian will say on that. But <laughs> again, like performance-wise, obviously, is always important. Like we looking back, like we, we talked about the analysis from last week, we created a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And now we know how important it's going to be being clinical and finishing those in a World Cup. So for me, and I think for the backs, that's mm-hmm. kind of a big one is just, is really being clinical and taking those opportunities. And hopefully then with that, um, a win comes. But again, it's it's a different opportunity in the way that we are probably favourites coming into this yeah, game. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's it's good for us to kind of carry that pressure. Um, I think that's a good pressure, though, isn't it? Like yeah. that, that that's it's something that we've not had a huge amount, but I think I think it's it's really good, especially with what comes after that in the World Cup, yeah. to deal with that pressure, to to add it to the the list of achievements that you're meeting face on and dealing with. I think I think that's important, and, and it's important for you to say that as well. I think. Yeah. No. Definitely. I think. We get quite used to like being the underdogs and really thriving on that. But as you say, it's just adding like an extra kind of thing to our armory of going in and being the favourites and being able to perform. So yeah, it'll be good. And I think hopefully some of the younger players get a shot as well. And I think mm-hmm. Brian's talked a lot about a big squad rotation. So again, just it's showing that depth that we've really built on the last few years. So yeah, we're excited. The last time you played Spain was the World Cup qualification tournament. Was it not? <laughs> Does that make it slightly awkward for Spain <laughs> arriving at the damn health, Louis? <laughs> Maybe a little bit for them, but I think at the same time they're a very um, determined team. You know, we played them like we played them for the last qualifiers, you know, four or five years ago, where you know they put up a good fight, and um, I think they'll be doing the same. You know, I don't, I don't think they care really what happened back then. Like, yeah, they might want to get a bit of revenge or whatever, but like they'll be here just to perform and like you know really show what they can do um so yeah no I think they're going to they're going to definitely come out at us and it'll be fun and I think you know we want to put on a good performance as well we don't want to show like that it was just you know luck or whatever back then you know that we were good enough to beat them then and you know we hopefully are can put on our same performance um this weekend and 
and show them that you know we, it wasn't just a bit of luck that we had that then. Well, on that lovely note, uh, Chloe Rowley, Helen Nelson, thank you so much for joining us, and we wish you all the very best for this weekend's encounter against Spain at the Dan Health kickoff at 3pm. I, for one, will certainly be there. Go well, ladies. Thank, thank you very you. much. So plenty to look forward to then, Chris. We talked to Helen a wee bit about her kicking game there. Now, the pitch is the same size, the ball's the same size. In other sports like golf, for example, we do have a bit of differentiation there, don't we? We move the tee to accommodate for the differences between men and women. From a coaching perspective for you, do you have to make any adjustments? Do you have to factor in any physiological differences between your male kickers and your female kickers? No, not really. Not really. I, I think what, what I think is important is um, that the players themselves understand the process and, and that'll be totally unique to them, whether they're under-20s kickers or amateur kickers or professional kickers, international kickers, males, females. So the, the, they're, um, biomechanically, there's a, there's a way that would give you the best chance of success. But by the time we work with the kickers and the kickers work with the coaches, you've developed a style that suits you or that you favour, whether it's been based on what you've seen from your favourite kicker on TV or somebody you're trying to emulate or what you think works or what your teacher or your coach way back when you started to kick a ball kind of felt was most important. So everybody's totally different. And I think what, what's really important is that that, that process is kind of individual to, to the individual, if that makes sense. It's unique to the individual. So everybody's different and everybody will kick slightly differently. Some people have different focuses, but keeping it as simple as possible is, is really important because you want to be able, as I said before, you want to be able to trust what you do in training in a game. And the way you can do that is you, you set up different drills or, or competitions or head-to-heads and training to try and replicate that match pressure, that match practice. Difficult to do. Um, and you, I don't think you can ever really replicate the game, but you can get pretty close to it at times, including one of the best ones is if you make, during a, a captain's run or a team run, if you make the goal kicker take a kick in front of everybody unopposed oh. in the squad horrible if you ask a goal kicker, oh that must be harder almost than someone's in an actual match it is so your whole team are set up there's nobody against you you got a penalty you say right we'll kick the we'll kick the goal and they have to set up get the tee on everybody gets in the right chase positions deadly silent we're talking about being silenced for, for kicking um it's that, that's a difficult one so that kind of replicates a little bit what you might find and what you have to do is no matter what's going on shut it all off focus on the process it's three or four key points two or three key points um stick to them uh and, and try and take the take the points but nelly has kicked a lot of important goals for for scotland high over pressure the moments yeah uh and has kicked a lot of goals for a club and, and kicks really well for a club as well so uh, i think it's something she enjoys i think most kickers do enjoy it some don't but most do um and she's been doing really well and it's squad announcement week as well coming up i mean do you remember those days in terms of that feeling that you get is my name coming up and, and just hoping that you've done enough and yeah i remember them well actually um <laughs> it's uh it's funny because my first world cup was 1999 uh, i was lucky enough to play in four and the i suppose the the selection announcement varied or changed from 1999 to my last world cup in 2011 99 was a complete surprise completely almost out the blue and a lot of ways so that was a complete shock but then uh, three seven and eleven i was you know still a, a reasonably important member of the squad and you have a a much deeper relationship with coaching staff with senior player groups where so you have a an idea but that that doubt never leaves your mind like it's not not until not until you're announced not until you know 
you, you know, you, you don't you don't allow yourself to to believe it. But yeah, I mean, the, the thrill never changes. Uh, sometimes, and I've said this maybe a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes I think now this this is me being grumpy and old fashioned again. It's a, it's a commentary. It's a, well. <laughs> it's a commentary. It's a commentary. But as long as like I think sometimes we can make too much of the announcement, if that makes sense. Um, massive achievement, absolutely. But we said before that. In my mind, if I was when I was ever announced, and I'm sure the players are the same, male players and female players, that's a starting point. That sometimes I think if we make too much, it has to be a it's such a big deal, it has to be made a deal of, but it can't be a big, big deal. It can't be the pinnacle, it can't be the optimum, it's a starting point. And I think um is that do you think is that for the individual um or for creating too much fuss around around the event, is it is it to keep? Well, I, I think you need fuss. Yeah, yeah, I think you need fuss around the event because it's because it's an achievement. Of course, it is, and it should be enjoyed. And it should be absolutely can kind of marked. But I think as the individual, I think deep down you're like, right, this is the start. This is the start. Like, yes, first rung in the ladder. It's not the top of the ladder. It's the first rung, and of course, you need to make it in order to get to the next rung in the ladder. So that's why it has to be celebrated. That's why it has to be marked. But I think deep down in the back of your mind, as players, you're like, right, well, you know, that's 30, 31, 32, whatever the squad announcement is, right, the next challenge is getting in the 15. It's a starting 15. Mm-hmm. And from there, it's it's winning with that, you know, 23 and winning the next game and and delivering all you're working for. So it does, it almost narrows down from a big squad to a smaller squad to a match day squad to a really influential uh, individual within the squad. Now, that's quite selfish thinking, but I think if everybody has that view, you're going to drive standards, you're going to drive each other on. It's, it's, it's a really good insight into the, the mindset of a professional player there as well, because you did allude to that uh, with, with Chloe and with Helen when you were referencing the caps as well. You know, you want to get to the mm. 50 and yeah. then you get to the 50 and... Before well, I wanted, one. I, I wanted one. You wanted I wanted one. You wanted one. I wanted one, and I wanted to do anything to get one. And I was so fortunate to get one that as soon as I got one, I wanted two. And I was like, ah, oh, two's not enough. I want three. And it never, and, I, and it gets to a point where you're like, I can't do this forever. <laughs> but like, when am I going to be content with what I've got? And I don't think you ever are, really, because you want to drive on and push on. And I could absolutely hear that, you know, echoing back and what Chloe and, and, and Helen were both, were both saying. Um, also, could really kind of resonate with what uh, Helen said about not counting because you don't. I mean, you used to, the number is important, but it's not the driver. You, and some people would, you know, I used to go to press conferences and press would tell me that I was in line to break this record or that record or get this number of caps or score that number of points. I didn't know. I didn't know because I was, you don't want to kind of limit it to that record, but you, you want to just go out and be as, as maximize everything you have all times. But it was quite a nice, it's quite a nice thing to be told you're going to closing in on this record or that record. But it was never the driver. The driver was also be just being kind of ultimately could be. I think we're all starting to understand very clearly how it is that you get to 109 caps and become Scotland's highest point scorer. Uh, so also we've got in in the men's game, uh, the Rugby World Cup sevens kicks off in South Africa this weekend. That's Friday the 9th to Sunday the 11th. We wish Kieran Beatty and his men all the very best. It was really good getting an insight into their camp and how, how different it is in the sevens games, uh, you know, in their lifestyles and just completely different, I guess, to the fifties in a lot of ways. Oh, it is. It's, um, like it's so, well, ultimately it's condensed, isn't it, in terms of the numbers, in terms of time, but your window for success or failure is condensed as well in terms of you've got, you know, 50 minutes and that's it. You know, especially knockout World Cup sevens, so you have to get it right. You have to be on it. 
Um, he obviously shared a workload across seven rather than 15 on the field at any time. So it's hard, isn't it? And that's, again, where you take strength from your preparation, from your fitness, from all the work you've done. And you just have to strike in the moment. It is, it is, it is you know, really difficult. But it also means, and the one thing we've spoken about before with Simmons, it means you have quite a lot of downtime as well. And as a 15s player, your downtime's a week between games. Your downtime, and as a Sims player, could be three or four hours, or it could be 30 minutes. I mean, I mean, one of the biggest mental challenges way back when, when I played, was your first tie could be nine o'clock in the morning. Your second tie could be six o'clock in the evening. So do you go back to the hotel? Do you <laughs> what stay do with you do friend? at that do you time? Recover? Do you, do you watch as well? Because the atmosphere of Sevens yeah. tournament is is just next level, isn't it? It's, it's like a carnival. So, I mean, do you watch the games? Well, usually, depending, depending on how long you have, most, and depending on the venue and how far away the hotel is, and that's where your kind of rec is, and all that they have a hotel reasonably close to the venue you're playing at, and all this sort of stuff is really important because you do have to switch off if you've got six or seven hours being in the tie. You do have to recover. You're probably going to do some ice baths. You're probably do some kind of pool recovery stuff. Uh, need to get some rest so if you're sitting watching a tournament and quite often in the sun you're not resting you're not recovering. so it is really hard also, the other thing that used to find quite difficult with Simmons was you would share changing rooms with other teams so it'd be oh. four or five teams assigned and maybe it's different now of course it is but I can remember playing in Dubai and there were three or four other national teams changing so you would be getting changed as someone <laughs> was having their pre-match huddle and then they would go out and then you, it would be this kind of Code of conduct that's unwritten, kind of respectless. And if, if you're preparing for the game, get out, let them do it. You get back in, get changed, whatever. So it was, uh, there was all these little intricacies that you, you were almost completely alien to a 15s. Uh, it might be different now, but it was these little things. Like It's all quite different. And you get used to it because that's what it is. Um, but it just means that the time you're in the field and your, your tie, especially in the, the format of the Rugby World Cup 7s, is it, you've got one chance, you take it, and if you take it, you move on to the next one. And that's what makes rugby of any code, any form, so exciting, doesn't it? And I mean, talk about taking your chances and preparations. It's a year now until the, the men's 15s Rugby mm. World Cup. Three World Cups that's, in one conversation, eh? I mean, I, I know. And actually... It's nice having the sevens, Rugby World Cup sevens, as, as part of that too, because again, yeah. that's something that's coming through. The women's, of course, coming up, and yeah, as we say, and then France next year. I wonder how quick that year will go. Obviously, we know how quick it is. <laughs> but, like, figuratively, how quickly it comes, you know, in terms of, well, what will it be? Ten fixtures, possibly, for mm-hmm. Scotland mm-hmm. 4 in November, Four. Six Nations, and then warm-ups. Like, it's not a lot, and then you know, you've got obviously your URC, you've got your European rugby in there, you've got a lot going on. So it's, and the way your kind of mind works quite often as well when you're in these squads is the season's cut into blocks, the pre-season block, a first block of maybe five or six URC games, a European block, a, you know, a derby block over Christmas and New Year, a Six Nations block. So it, it comes pretty thick and fast once you, when it's, seg, you know, segmented like that. And I just think, are we going to be sitting in almost a year's time thinking, my goodness, how quick was that? A year how, ago, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. well, and I think for for Gregor and the staff, it probably comes even quicker than that because it's there aren't a lot of opportunities to really to um, to basically take off until you need to to go for real in a year's time. And I guess it, it reinforces the the importance of um, of of the alternation seas of of 
of the, the Guinness Six Nations that's coming up too. Um, and then, of course, the URC, the domestic league, uh, the guys putting themselves out there, putting their, their names uh, forward, their hats in the ring. So for the pro teams, uh, <laughs> Friday night didn't quite go to plan for either side. Uh, Glasgow Warriors didn't take on Worcester Warriors as originally planned and Edinburgh Rugby did host London Scottish but that game ended in defeat and early. So let's start with Glasgow then. Worcester pulled out owing to pay issues. Ayrshire Bulls however mm. turned up in every sense. Yeah. You did say good. that that sort of thing happens don't, don't, don't you, yeah. you know you, they take their opportunity. Oh yeah um you know it, it was, I, I didn't I wasn't at the game but I've, I've seen the game um and the first thing I'd say in both for Edinburgh and Glasgow, it's really important at the preseason games, it's really important to play. London Scottish had played the week before against Harlequins, and you could see that they'd played the week before. And if Bulls are in their you know, first rock Super Six series, so they've been playing games, and it was so evident that just through playing games, it, everything seems that much uh, more fluent and, and better. There's but, cohesion there, isn't there? That is, that is, that you only get from playing. Um, mm -hmm. And both Edinburgh and Glasgow, I assume, or I know, will be 50% better this weekend than they were last weekend just because they played a game, one game. That genuinely, even if you didn't train, having played and getting back in the swing, I think it's it's just uh, exactly what preseason games are for. So, and they'll have to be. But um, yeah, Ayrshire Bulls really turned up. Glasgow came out on top. It was nil nil for must have been 20, 25 minutes, I think. And Glasgow scored first to drive them all. And, and Ayrshire Bulls were really fitting the bill perfectly and really pushed them towards the end. Right, them um, close, 22-17 at first. Scored a couple of tries later. It was physical, abrasive. You know, it was one or two players. It was difficult. They had to play for both teams, jump from one side mm -hmm. to the other, which is difficult. But, um, <laughs> invaluable to get game time. And it was, uh, you see somebody like Blair McPherson, who's the Airship Bulls captain, who's, who fronts up every week for uh, in the Forsdruck Super 6 and has done for a number of years. I thought he was, again, outstanding. And it's great to see somebody who, who's at the forefront of Forsdruck Super 6 actually holding his own and more uh, in the in the game against the professionals, the professional side, and enjoying that opportunity. Yeah. Oh, you could it see was a, it. It was a, you could see how much yeah. enjoyment there was there. <laughs> you could see it, and then as they got more confident through that enjoyment, the niggle kind of started to come in a little bit. As well. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's perfect preseason. That's exactly what it was. Um, an opportunity to get back in the field, get back up to speed. Now Glasgow play Ulster this weekend. Ulster beat Exeter last weekend, and they're uh, at home and they're. Um, first preseason out, and so this is the that that'll be yeah big ask. Big, I mean, there's usually a big crowd on a Friday night at Scotland anyway. There's usually a, a, it's a great night out, isn't it? Yeah, and, and a good Ulster always are well supported both in Edinburgh and Glasgow as well. So looking forward to that. Uh, you know, Glasgow will have to improve on last week. It'll be uh, as always a, a kind of physical game, and interesting to see where where Ulster go this season there's a bit of internal and external pressure in Ulster because they got so close to the semi-finals last year and just just missed out in the final kick of the game uh, and reaching what would have been a home final I think in the URC mm -hmm. for them um, so they'll be looking that was to, a one yeah they'll be looking you know be a lot of kind of angst and energy still hanging over from there that, that might come out this week but it'll be great to see you know um, obviously up in Inverness last week was, was brilliant and the the engagement from the players and the community was, was outstanding but it'll be great to see Franco's side back at Scots on a Friday night but it'll be a pretty good preparation for the, the first game uh, in Treviso the next again week. And we haven't actually caught up since Kyle Strain was uh, announced as, as the new captain of 
Glasgow Warriors. Mm. He's a he's got a great energy about him. He's he's a got got a nice tone to him. How do you think he'll settle into that role? Yeah, he's made for the role. He's captained before. He's led before. He leads by example. Um, hugely respected. And he had a difficult year last year with injury uh, and towards the end of the season anyway. And then the seasons get mixed up. But he 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 won his first cap against France, I think. Uh, and then had a long term injury. All these little things are difficult to deal with. They're and hard he takes to come back time. from. Yeah, and, and yeah, difficult injuries as well, and surgeries, and that all points to how strong a character he is. Um, and any time he, he has gotten over his injuries, came back, he's 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 a player that, and this is a difficult thing to do as well. Like hits the ground running when he comes back mm-hmm. after injuries. He's got that level of performance and that consistency in performance. So he's a uh, Really well-respected, great guy, hard-working, can cover a lot of positions, uh, looks in great condition, and, and he'll hold a lot of respect um, up, you know, within his own side, but in the league as well. So, yeah, good news for Steno. And, I mean, that all of the above can apply to Jamie Ritchie too, who's who's back at the weekend as well. How great to see him back in an yeah. Edinburgh rugby jersey. Yeah, it was. It's, um, in the England game, the first game in the Six Nations I was reading last week was his last game before last Friday night, and that's a that's a decent period to be out as well. Early February. That was his last game. That was yeah, he injured his hamstring. That's early, a long run. Early February, so it's near on eight. Was it seven, eight months? Um, so great to have somebody like that back. Um, Edinburgh will be disappointed with the the result uh, against London Scottish. The good bits were really good in terms of some of the. The tries and the attack, um, great to get so many players on the field. Mike stuck, you know, to the 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 plan. I think in terms of game minutes for, for each player, whether it's thirty mm-hmm. or twenty five or sixty or fifty, which is which is exactly what pre seasons are for. And we say we need to spread that workload, and you have to test everybody and give everybody opportunity. But are some coaches tempted to, to? Well, I was going to say know, change that up. You know, well, I was going that... to say how hard must it be? And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think many coaches do. But it's a it's a discipline. It's a skill of the coach to stick to that because if you you know if you see your team just getting a bit of momentum and getting a rhythm and finding it, and you're getting back in the game and you're getting on top, you're like. I can see this coming together. I can see the first <laughs> 40 or 50, but, you know, we need to play players. We need to um, use use this game for exactly the purpose it is, is to get game minutes and test players and set players' levels. And So it's um, it, it's a difficult thing to do, but it's a right thing to do. Uh, and I must say, some, some of, I was real impressed with London Scottish as well. Some like Nathan Chamberlain. Semi-pro right, club. Yeah, is Chamberlain, who's, you know, we know well from Edinburgh and from Scotland in the 20s. Um, it was good to see him playing well and distributing well uh, from first receiver. Robbie McCallum there as well. So it was um, it was good. And you know, if 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 London Scottish were to perform at that in a championship, they'll 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 do fine because it was uh, I was impressed with, with with quite a lot of it. But um, Edinburgh away to Treviso for their second mm-hmm. game this weekend. And, and what will Mike be what will Mike be looking for? Because the the closer we get, yes, there's obviously the preseason have their purpose. Uh, as you mentioned, minutes, etc. But but there's also, oh, you've got the URC knocking on the door just around the corner. So for that last pre-season game, will he approach it differently to the first? Um, I think he would look at the two games as a whole rather than as two individuals. He'll have an idea, and I assume the coaches will have an idea of what the starting team the following week would be for uh, for the Dragons, for Edinburgh, for Treviso, for Glasgow. So you do you then select the starting team this week could mirror that closely 
So you've almost get your start working the things, working the early parts of the game, or, or or is it more finish with that, more like that side? I, I'm not sure because you, you do need to get cohesion as well as getting individuals up to speed. You do need cohesions, you know, across units, and that's what training. As a player, as, as a player, would you have a preference though? Would you, if you knew that you were likely to start against in the URC in the league? where the points matter think, would you like to have a run around with those guys that are likely to feature also um, the week before I don't think as a player you ever know that mm. <laughs> I, I don't think you know you're likely to start <laughs> in pre-season I think it's, it's well certainly I didn't my mindset in pre-season I think it's pretty much the same everybody's fighting for those spots whereas I think the coaches have to forward plan and their own mind and you know look, look ahead a little bit the players I think you are in the moment so yeah like I don't think you would ever choose one or the other. I think, again, it's quite a selfish mindset to whoever you're alongside. You're going to gel as a unit. You're going to work it. You're going to work hard. You're going to execute what you've been working on in the summer to try and put your best foot forward to say, listen, you can't leave me out next week when the when the league points are at stake. So uh, I don't think he would choose one or the other. And I think, again, through rotation of your players and shifting combinations in those two games, there's there'll be game minutes within that where you do really have to make the most of gelling with somebody it might be your midfield partner or your halfback partner or your back three cover the next game week so yeah I think I think what's important is treating the two games as two preseason games knowing what you need or you want to get out of them ahead of the URC kicking off the URC will be desperately competitive this year really it's going to be fiery isn't it to get into that top eight is uh, for everybody is is you know really tough in terms of the South African teams, we know about the Irish teams, the Welsh teams mm-hmm. didn't qualify for the top eight last year, any of them. So you expect an improvement there. Um, Edmund and Glasgow have the ability to, to beat anyone, as we know. I think most teams are all targeting every home game as a win. You know what I mean? So like what you can pick up on the road becomes important, which will be hard. Well, they're Whether going to have to, aren't they? You're going to have to. Yeah. You're going to have it, to. Yeah, it's really difficult. But um, so yeah, so no this weekend. No pressure on the fans then to be the 16th. Well, fans. that's it. <laughs> all, all in it together. Yeah. So that yeah, the goal this week will be hopefully by the end of the two games on Friday night that Mike uh, and Franco will roughly or, or pretty closely know where they're going to be um, in the next game week when the, the URC kicks off. Well, very best wishes to both sides in their pre-season endeavours. In the Foz Rock Super 6 then, it was, uh, ooh, it was a massive win for Watsonians uh, as predicted. Uh, 66-7 at home to Sterling Wolves and a 26-17 win for Burmier Bears uh, who hosted Heriot's Rugby. Of course, because uh, Ayrshire Bulls travelled uh, to Inverness. Uh, they now travel to Southern Knights this Saturday the 10th for their rescheduled match. The Rugby Championship then, Chris, uh, continues to keep us on our toes. Uh, <laughs> Argentina were top of the table. They are now at the bottom. Three <laughs> of the nations are, are coming to BT Murrayfield for the Men's Autumn Nation Series, of course. Uh, Australia, New Zealand and Argentina. And then, of course, Fiji as well. But uh, based on based on <laughs> what we've seen so far, which of those three nations are you most looking forward to watching and which team are you most concerned by? <laughs> based on what we said last week, turn it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Changes every week. Which... Which am I most looking forward to watching? As a fan. As a fan. I think uh, the kind of romantic rugby fan in you, I think, always points to New Zealand, doesn't it? The All Blacks. And 
and we said last week how finely balanced the games are. I mean, they they go from being well beaten by, you know, Argentina two weeks ago, where nothing went right, to scoring over fifty points seven days later. And fifty three three, it's water reaction uh, that was. I know, and and that's the thing. I mean, the, the, on the scoreboard, the reaction's massive, but in reality, it's probably little things: discipline, getting the right side of discipline, finding a better balance to the attacking shape or maybe just as well Argentina being a fraction of a second slower in their defensive line speed because they were reacting to a different shape and, and, and or the All Blacks attack things tiny margins that have big differences in the score sheet because the quality of players and, and the quality of teams are so good so I think I think I still think there's more growth in that, that All Black side as well I mean I don't think they look you know totally coherent and, and totally clinical so yeah I, I think that attacking, counter-attacking play, scoring from, you know, long kicks, counter-attacking, scoring from turnovers, shifting the ball really quickly to space, you know, Sammy Ricky Rani's footwork, for example, in the midfield and then offloading. It, it, that, that's, that, that's great rugby to watch. And I love the fact that the success is built on attacking space, not just bludgeoning your way through a defence that's brave and tough and hard and well-organised. But in saying that, South Africa scored some pretty wicked mm. tries. Well, I mean, that game was engrossing for a whole host of reasons. It was niggly, as they say. It was fun as a neutral to watch, I have to say. I really I really enjoyed that game. Sometimes get a wee bit embarrassed at the niggle. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're watching, you're like, really? Yeah, I know I know it's part of the game now, but you're like, oh, just get on with it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of niggle that goes on now that is a wee bit it makes, synthetic. It makes for a good clip, doesn't it? And it, uh, you can see it on their faces at the time. <laughs> they, they're just, I mean, I mean, Evan just came in from miles away. It was nowhere near it and just get stuck in. And there's so, there's so many opportunities, but. I know, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was quite, I mean, we spoke about Nick quite last week, but again, there was a target in his back, wasn't there? And he was chipping back and it's, uh, it's all part of the game, I suppose. But the, uh, I think the players on the field know what counts and what doesn't count. And I did think you know, some of the, the, the Springbok who've been criticised maybe over the last number of years in terms of playing a brand of rugby that's overly uh, concise or, or, or uh, too safe, I thought showed some of their attacking flair as well as worth, worth watching. Um, surely be disappointed. So to answer your question, I still fear, I don't fear, I still concerned about the physicality that South Africa can bring to a game if they're able to dictate the tempo. Um, and you add on the fact that they had that bit flair, more flair about them last weekend, if they add that to that physical intensity that's won the Moral Cup, they're a tough nut to crack, they really are. Really are. And in terms of what was best to watch at the weekend, it was that All Blacks finding that attacking edge, that attacking space. Um, it's sometimes we don't always see in the game, but it's great to see it. It still can be successful. Well, I, I have to say, after watching that as well, I, I think um, you know I, I'm quite excited to see how Argentina goes. But there's something about Australia. We tapped into it briefly last week. There's mm. something about when you watch Australia that when we host them here at BT Merrifield, I mean under Gregor Townsend, we have a hundred percent winning record, mm. um, and it's a um, it's quite an exciting prospect. But it's also a, become a bit of a marker for Scotland now. That's that's a yeah, like the, Australia are struggling injury wise, and you can mm. just—I mean, they are. I mean, they were Fred Bear before, and they pick up one or two, but you can see the raw ability and talent that's there. That's you know, like some of the set piece, first face moves, I think are so clinical, and were even back against England in the when they played England in the in the summer series and in the the June tests, and that's such a threat if you don't get your defence right 
first up and quite often like it's, it's kind of rugby pigs as you say or sometimes rugby enthusiasts like a set piece move that's clean through the clinical is like really satisfying to see well mm-hmm. not when you're playing against it and Australia have that <laughs> no, Australia have that ability um, but I just thought they yeah they, they can't get enough cohesion at the moment I don't think to underline the quality that they have if they get that cohesion in terms of injuries and starting positions starting players in key positions they'll be a threat as always against anyone it's, uh, it, I think it'll be a different challenge when we play them in November to what the last two or three have been I think they might be a bit more direct a bit more abrasive than they were over the last couple of visits um, which is something that, that we, we can deal with and, and, and we'll have to deal with especially the midfield there's a real quite aggressive attacking element in the midfield rather than that more kind of passive shape that maybe they played the last couple of times so oh uh, oh good stuff to look forward to well at this point in a rugby world cup cycle i always think that the rugby championships are most most exciting and then likewise with the bookend of the autumn nation series and the six nations too so a reminder then of the upcoming men's autumn nation series at bt murrayfield it's scotland v australia as the opener on the 29th of october fiji on the 5th of november New Zealand on the 13th, that match is sold out, but hospitality's tickets are still available and rounding things off with Argentina on the 19th. Plenty of rugby to look forward to before then, though. Wishing Scotland women and Scotland sevens all the very best for this weekend. Thanks to Chris and, of course, to Helen Nelson and Chloe Rowley for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with more on the official Scottish Rugby Podcast. 